السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد Respected listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh The topic of today's talk is Fatima radiyallahu anha. Fatima, the liege lady of paradise, the liege lady of the believing women, of the women of the world, and the radiant. Fatima radiyallahu anha is truly deserving of all of these titles <coughs> for she was the daughter of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and a piece of him a reflection of him a representation of him in her faith in her mannerisms in her character in her speech even in her gait, the way she walked. Just as the Prophet ﷺ is a role model for the believers, and Allah has commanded the believers to follow in his footsteps, to adopt his example, to emulate him, in a similar manner, his family, his children, his wives are role models and examples for the believing men and women to follow and to emulate. Today, inshallah, we'll discuss just a few aspects of the life of Fatima radiallahu anha. Some of this information may be new to some of us. For some of us, this is just a reminder and a repetition of what we already know. But even being reminded of the same details about the life of someone like Fatima radiallahu anha is not bereft of benefits. In fact, this is a reflection of the Holy Qur'an. The 
Kauli Qur'an is not just a collection of laws, of do's and don'ts. Much of the Qur'an is taken up by history and by the accounts of many people, namely the messengers, alayhim salam and their followers. In fact, a number of prophets... Their stories have been mentioned repeatedly throughout the Qur'an in different ways. Look at the story of the Prophet Musa salam. The details of his life are scattered across the Qur'an. But sometimes the same details, the same particular story, the same account of the same incident is repeated in different ways in different surahs of the whole Qur'an. So, stories of the pious and their repeated reminders, this is actually a reflection of the Qur'an itself. It's in the spirit of the Qur'an. And there's a purpose in these reminders, in these repetitions. And this is illustrated by something that was mentioned by Imam Junaid al-Baghdadi rahmatullahi alayhi, a very famous scholar and saint of Islam universally acknowledged in amongst Muslims as being a great scholar and a saint Imam Junaid al-Baghdadi rahmatullahi alayhi, his students once asked him since he would relate stories of the pious and this has always been a tradition in Islam we find many biographies, and in gatherings, in speeches. We often hear accounts, sometimes entire speeches are taken up with the accounts of the lives of the pious. And we're not even speaking about the messengers and the companions of the anhum. So Imam Janad al-Baghdadi, he would relate stories of the pious, and his students once asked him that is there any benefit in the relation of the stories of the pious? So Imam Junaid al-Baghdadi said, yes, of course there is. So the student said, what can you cite as evidence? How can you show that? So he quoted a verse of the Holy Quran of Surah Hud in which Allah says, وَجَاءَكَ فِي هَذِهِ الْحَقُّ وَمَوْعِذَةٌ وَذِكْرًا لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ This <coughs> is a verse of Surah Hud in which Allah says, وَكُلَّنْ نَقُصَّ عَلَيْكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الرُّسُلِ And we do relate to, addressing the Prophet wasallam. Allah says, and we do relate to you. Of each of these stories, of the accounts of the messengers. Such accounts that through them we give strength, we give steadfastness to your heart. And to you, O Messenger of Allah, has come the truth. And in these stories has come the truth to you. And an admonition, and 
a reminder for the believers. So, even the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, being the leader of all the prophets, of all the messengers, being the best of creation, being the Imam of all the messengers, Allah would reveal stories of the previous messengers, even though he was superior to them. Allah would reveal and relate repeatedly their stories, their accounts, and that of their followers. And Allah explicitly says that the purpose in them is to give steadfastness and strengthen the heart and to inspire the Messenger ﷺ. If the Messenger of Allah being who he was could be inspired and strengthened and be given steadfastness and be given solace and comfort through the stories of those to whom he was superior then what can be said of the believers when we are reminded of the stories of those who are far greater than us, the pious, the messengers, السلام, and their beloved families and their beloved companions. So, <clears throat> in learning about the life of someone like Fatima, anha, the daughter of Rasulullah, <clears throat> if we learn something new, alhamdulillah, even if we don't learn something new, the mere reminder and the repetition of these details reinforces that inspiration and that steadfastness, that admonition and that reminder which Allah speaks of in this verse of the Holy Qur'an. Fatima radiallahu anha was one of the daughters of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He had a number of children and of the daughters she was the youngest. So his eldest daughter was Zainab radiyallahu anha. Then the other daughter was Urqiyya radiyallahu anha. Then Umm Kulthum radiyallahu anha. And the youngest was Fatima radiyallahu anha. These were the four daughters of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Apart from these daughters, Rasulullah alayhi salatu wasalam also had a number of male children all of whom, unfortunately, passed away in their infancy. The eldest was Qasim. And <clears throat> it was after Qasim that the Prophet ﷺ acquired his kunya, his nom de guerre. And he was known as Abu Qasim. So his name was Muhammad ﷺ, Muhammad ibn Abdullah. But his kunya was Abu Al-Qasim. That's how he was actually known as Abu Al-Qasim. Named after his first son, Qasim. After Qasim, another child, another son was also born known as Abdullah. But he, just like Qasim, Qasim passed away in his infancy. The second son of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Abdullah, also died in his infancy. After these two, Qasim and Abdullah, there's actually a difference of opinion amongst the ulama since we don't have much to go by. <coughs> two of the names have been mentioned, Tahir and Tayyib. Now some ulama of the opinion that Tahir was a third son and Tayyib was a th- fourth son. Others are of the opinion that Tahir was a third son who was also known as Tayyib. And some ulama of the opinion 
that there were only two sons, Qasim and Abdullah, and Tahir and Tayyib are alternative names or labels for the second son, Abdullah. So what the ulama do agree on is that there were at least two sons, Qasim and Abdullah. Then there's disagreement about the third son, whether there was a third son called Tahir, or whether that's just a second name of uh, Abdullah, and whether there was a fourth son, Tayyib. So the first two, Qasim and Abdullah, the ulama do agree on. But all of these sons died in their infancy. The only other male son born to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was Ibrahim radiyallahu anhu, who was born to Maria Qibtiya radiyallahu anha, Maria the Copt, who was given to him by Muqawqis, the patriarch of Alexandria, Egypt. He had sent a gift to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Maria Qibtiya radiyallahu anha gave the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uh, Ibrahim radiyallahu an, and he was born in the eighth year of Hijrah, so many, many years after all of his other children. The Before Ibrahim radiyallahu an, the last child to be born to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who actually survived. Well, in fact, uh, ulama say that Abdullah, the son of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa who died in his infancy, he was actually born after Islam. So he was born a number of years after Fatima radiyallahu anha, but he didn't survive. But after, after Islam and after the birth of Abdullah, the, for many, many years, the only child to be born to him, if we go by that opinion of no third son, is Ibrahim radiyallahu an, and that was in the eighth year of Hijrah, a mere two years before the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam left this world. So, in fact, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was over 60 years old, he, he was father to Ibrahim radiyallahu an, but again, and he was very beloved to him, but again, Ibrahim radiyallahu an didn't survive. He, he died in his infancy. And there is a wisdom in the non-survival of the sons of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because Allah had declared in the Qur'an, مَا كَانَ مُحَمَّدٌ أَبَا أَحَدٍ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ وَخَاتِمَ النَّبِيِّينَ And this verse was actually revealed before the birth of Ibrahim radiyallahu anhu. So in it, Allah says, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not the father of any men amongst you. وَلَكِنْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Rather, he is a messenger of Allah and the seal of the prophets. Since prophethood is not monarchy, and since prophethood is not a dynasty, it was destined that all of the male children of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa would die in their infancy. Apart from these children, the main focus today would be on Fatima radiyallahu anha, the youngest of the four daughters of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She played a prominent role in the life of the messenger alayhi salam. She was extremely beloved to him. She was the wife of Ali radiyallahu and the mother of Hassan and Hussein radiyallahu anhuma and the progeny of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
only survived through Fatima radiallahu anha. All the children from the other daughters also did not survive. So there was no, there were, there were no further future generations. The progeny of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam survived only through Fatima radiallahu anha and Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhuma. Now, <coughs> Fatima radiallahu anha was born in the 35th year of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's life, five years before the first revelation. And in fact, that was the same year when the Kaaba was rebuilt. So when the Kaaba was rebuilt and the Quraysh disagreed about how to replace the black stone, the Al-Hajr al-Aswad, and they f- fell into a very severe dispute, which would have led to bloodshed. And eventually they agreed on one person, and that person turned out, turned out to be the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. According to most reports, it was in the same year that Fatima radiallahu anha was born, five years before the first revelation. So she was already five years old when the Prophet ﷺ first received the Qur'an. And having grown up in such a household, we can only imagine her childhood and the influence of her parents. Rasulullah ﷺ and Umm al-Mu'mineen Khadijat al-Kubra Having a father like that and a mother like that, and what a mother. Khadija radiallahu anha undoubtedly had a great influence on all of her children, and especially Fatima radiallahu anha. And to understand Fatima radiallahu anha, one needs to understand her mother. She was like her mother, she followed in her mother's footsteps. And what was the caliber and the character of Khadija radiallahu anha? Time and time again, we gain snippets here and there in scattered hadith. Fatima Khadija al-Kubra radiallahu anha was a great believer, a woman of great faith, of patience, of great support, and a, and a woman of great inspiration. Even to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There is a debate as to who was the first child to believe. There is a debate, well not the first child, but who was the first male to believe. Was it Ali radiallahu anhu? Was it Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu anhu? Was it Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu? And the ulama tend to agree that the first male adult was Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu The first freed slave and someone in their adolescence or teenage years, or maybe older in their youth, was Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu And the first child was Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu But there is no disagreement as to who was the first believer amongst the Muslims after Rasulullah, well, who was the first believer of the Ummah. And that honor goes to a woman, a lady, Khadija radiallahu anha. She believed even before Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anha. 
She was a first believer. And she wasn't just a passive believer. She was a pillar of strength. A source of inspiration to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam only two weeks ago. When doing the tafsir of Surah Al-Alaq, Surah Iqra, we learned that when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had this overwhelming experience of receiving the first words of revelation and of meeting Jibreel alayhi salam, he came home trembling, fearful, frightened, overwhelmed by his whole experience. And he rushed home saying, Zammiluni, Zammiluni, enshroud me, cover me in a blanket. And he expressed his fears to Khadija radiallahu anha, the great burden of responsibility that hung over him, his own fright, his fear, his being filled with awe, and his being overwhelmed. And Khadija radiallahu anha, she of all people, was consoling the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And her words to him were, Never, by Allah, Allah will never disgrace you. Allah will never let you perish. And she comforted him and consoled him with the words, إِنَّكَ لَتَصِلُ الرَّحِمُ وَتَصْدُقُ الْحَدِيثُ وَتَحْمِلُ الْكَلُّ وَتَكْسِبُ الْمَعْدُومُ وَتَقْرِ الضَّيْفُ that Allah will never disgrace you. For indeed you tie the kins, the, the, you tie the bonds of kin and blood and relations. You speak the truth. You bear the burden of others. You provide for the destitute and penniless. You are hospitable to the guests. And you assist others in their calamities and misfortunes. Allah will never disgrace you. She was the one who took him to her cousin brother Warqat bin Anawfal, who again reassured him and gave him glad tidings of his position and responsibility and of what was to come. And also gave him forewarnings of what was to come. She believed in him, supported him. And even before prophethood, in Surah Al-Duha, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, addressing the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, says to him, وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَخْنَا Did Allah not find you? Poor, in need. And then, did Allah not enrich you? And how did Allah, Allah is boasting or announcing his favor to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That did Allah not find you poor, in need, and he enriched you? So how did Allah enrich Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? It was through Ummul Mu'mineen Khadija radiyallahu anha. She was a businesswoman, a trader, wealthy, rich, noble, and dignified. And she married, she proposed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam married her. 
And by entering her home, he went to live with her, in her home. She provided for him, assisted him. She made it easy for him to give in charity. She facilitated so much of his good work through her wealth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed Khadija radiyallahu anha with many opportunities. And this is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loved her and honored her. Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiyallahu anha says in a hadith later by Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi alayhi that I, I was never jealous of any of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as much as I was jealous of Khadija radiyallahu anha even though I had never seen her. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ would frequently mention her. He would praise her. He would slaughter goats, sheep, animals. He would cut up the pieces of meat. And then that meat he would distribute amongst the friends and family, amongst the friends of Khadija radiallahu anha. Aisha radiyallahu anha in her jealousy, she would speak up. She says in the same, uh, in one narration, she says that one day I became angry. And I said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I became angry because of his remembering Khadija radiyallahu anha. And the Prophet ﷺ's reply to her was, Inni hubbaha. I was blessed with her love. Allahu Akbar. In another narration, again of Bukhari, Ummuminin Aisha radiallahu anha says that I would say in anger and jealousy to the Prophet, ﷺ, it seems as though there is no woman in the world except Khadija. And the Prophet ﷺ, rather than falling silent in response, he would begin to say, she did this, she did that, she did this. She did so much. And the Prophet ﷺ would add that she bore me children. So Rasulullah ﷺ loved Khadija ﷺ not only because she was his wife, but she bore him children. Not only because she was a mother of his children, but also because she loved him. And he felt that he had been given the gift of her love. And not only that, but Allah had filled his heart with her love. And it wasn't just love. He honored her and he respected her because of what she had done for him personally, what she had done for the believers, the band of believers, and most importantly, what she had done for the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why even Aisha radiallahu anha, a woman confident of her place, assured of her love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and his love for her, a woman guaranteed the Prophet's attention sallallahu alayhi wasallam. She says, I was never jealous of any of the women, any of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam as much as I was jealous of Khadija radiallahu anha, even though I had never seen her. And this was because the Prophet ﷺ would constantly mention her, 
would constantly speak of her, would continuously give charity in her name. She says on one occasion, she was with the Prophet ﷺ, there was a knock on the door. It was asked, who is it? And she said, Hala bintu Khuwaylid. Hala bintu Khuwaylid was a sister of Khadija radiyallahu anha. Inside the house, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, merely hearing the name of Hala, the sister of Khadija radiyallahu anha, and hearing her voice because it was similar, Rasulullah alayhi salatu wa salam was overwhelmed with emotion. And he, he exclaimed, Allahumma halah bintu Khuwaylid. Oh Allah, it's Hala, the daughter of Khuwaylid, meaning the sister of Khadija radiyallahu anha. And he remembered Umm al-Mu'mineen, Khadija al-Kubra radiyallahu anha. And subhanallah. And again, the person who's relating all of this to us is not a partisan family member. This is, after all, Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiyallahu anha. The one who felt so intimidated and threatened by her love, she is the one who honestly and faithfully relates to us the position of Umm al-Mu'mineen Khadija radiyallahu anha in the sight of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One can say so much about Umm al-Mu'mineen Khadija radiyallahu anha and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's love for her, but I, I suffice with this. And the reason for mentioning this is that Fatima radiyallahu anha was the daughter of the same honored and beloved Khadija al-Kubra radiyallahu anha. A woman of the same spirit, of the same knowledge, of the same understanding, of the same devotion and dedication to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and his mission and message. And that spirit, that fiery spirit showed through, even in her childhood. There's a very famous story. Imagine, and this was in the very beginning of Islam. She was five years old, approximately, when the Prophet ﷺ received the Holy Qur'an. And this particular incident, which I relate, most likely would have taken place in the third or fourth year of Islam. So when Fatima radiallahu anha was eight or nine years old. Imam Bukhari, Imam Muslim, and many others have all recorded this particular hadith on the authority of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu says that one day I was in the haram in Mecca when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was performing salah praying alone The chieftains of the Quraysh, as per their custom, were seated next to the Kaaba. That was their place of honor. And these were the leaders of the Quraysh, the chieftains, the pride and the power of Mecca, Abu Jahl, Utbat ibn Rabi'ah, Shaybat ibn Rabi'ah, Umayyat ibn Khalaf, Uqbat ibn Abi Mu'ayd. Al-Walid ibn Utbah. These chieftains of Quraysh were seated next to the Kaaba. And they were observing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When Abu Jahl 
proposed to them and said, announced, that who will rise and go to the she-camel of such and such a family that has just given birth and collect the placenta and the afterbirth of this she-camel. Now, camels are very large animals. And in rural areas, if anyone has ever seen, when the animals normally give birth, then the placenta or the afterbirth, the amniotic sac, etc., all of that afterbirth, it, it remains there until it's cleaned up. And it's quite substantial, depending on the size of the animal. So, camel is a very large animal. So, Abu Jahl said, who will rise and go to the she-camel of such and such a family that has just given birth? Since news would spread, people would know that such and such a camel has given birth. So, who will go and fetch the placenta and the afterbirth and that filth of the she-camel that has just given birth? And bring it and dump it on the back of Muhammad when he is in prostration. So Uqbat ibn Abi Mu'id stood up. And he went. And he collected all this filth. The afterbirth and the placenta and the amniotic sac. And brought it. In Arabic in the hadith is known as Salah Jazur. Salah Jazur. So he brought it. And when the Prophet ﷺ fell into prostration, he dumped it on the Prophet's noble back. ﷺ. It was so heavy that Rasulullah ﷺ was unable to rise from his sajda. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud anhu, who relates the story says that I was helpless. I was alone and I was unable to defend or help the Prophet ﷺ. And when Uqbat ibn Abi Mu'ayd dumped this placenta on the back of Rasulullah ﷺ and rose to the challenge of Abu Jahl, these chieftains of the Quraysh, they began laughing, falling over each other in laughter, nudging each other and poking each other in fun, and pointing at Rasulullah ﷺ. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu says, I was helpless, I was unable to say or do anything. Someone went and informed the family. Remember, this is in the very early days, when there were very few believers. And many of them had kept their faith secret. Someone went and informed the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Who came out of the house? Fatima radiyallahu anha. This eight, nine-year-old girl, she came running out. She came to the masjid, went over to her father, pushed all this filth off his noble back, and then he managed to rise. And then this young eight, nine-year-old Fatima radiallahu anha, with the spirit of her mother and her strength, she stood there verbally abusing and swearing at all of these chieftains of the Quraysh. Then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he finished his salah, he came closer to the Kaaba and he prayed to Allah. And his prayer was, O oh Allah, seize. He named every one of them individually. Allahumma alayka bi'utbat ibn Rabi'ah. Allahumma alayka bi'shaybat ibn Rabi'ah. 
اللهم عليك بالوليد بن عتبة اللهم عليك بعقبة بن أبي معيد اللهم عليك بأمية بن خلف Every one of them including Abu Jahl he named and he said, oh Allah, seize Amr ibn Hisham Abu Jahl seize Uqbat ibn Abi Mu'ayd seize Umayyat ibn Khalaf seize Uqbat ibn Rabi'ah Shaybat ibn Rabi'ah Al-Walid ibn Utbah one by one he named all of them that's when their laughter subsided and the smiles were wiped off their faces and they began to fear for themselves because rather strangely despite all of their despotic behavior the chieftains of the Quraysh knew certain things one they knew and they observed and honored the sanctity of the Kaaba they knew that the dua of a person was accepted in the vicinity of the Kaaba and they also knew of the piety of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so in a way they were convinced of the truthfulness of his words and of his prayer being answered. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu says, when, not then, almost 10, 12 years later, in the battle of Badr, he says, I saw every one of them lying in the wells of Badr. Abu Jahl, Umayyad ibn Khalaf, and the others. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's dua was accepted but the manifestation of the acceptance of his noble dua was much later in the battle of Badr So that was Fatima radiyallahu anha she did what nobody else could do at that young tender age of 8 9 years That's how she grew up then in the later years when before the hijra Unfortunately, well, before the Hijra, approximately three years before the Hijra, in the 50th year of his life, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's noble wife, Ummul Mu'mineen Khadijah radiyallahu anha, passed away, and her youngest daughter, Fatima radiyallahu anha, was grief-stricken. She was only 15 years of age at the time. Imagine, this is, one of, this is the beloved daughter of the Messenger of Allah. And look at what she went through. At 15 years of age, her mother passed away. And she witnessed the persecution of her father in her young years. Imagine witnessing, hearing this abuse, seeing this persecution firsthand at that young tender age of eight, nine years. Prophet was grief struck himself, and so was Fatima radiallahu anha. But he consoled her. And years later, he continued to remind her that Jibreel alayhi salam has visited me and he has told me and he would tell her that do not grieve for your mother for Allah has given her a home in Jannah in which there is no din or clamor and in which there is no fatigue or weariness i.e. a place of peace and rest When the Prophet ﷺ did hijrah from Mecca to Medina, Fatima radiallahu anha traveled with him. Upon arrival in Medina, she was now approximately 18 years of age. Now the time was for her to get married, so the Prophet ﷺ intended to marry her to none other than Ali radiallahu anha. 
But before that, he received proposals. And two of the proposals that he received were actually from Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhuma. Both Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu approached Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu to ask for Fatima radiyallahu anha's hand in marriage. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam politely declined. People say that he married Aisha radiyallahu anha in order to cement his political alliance with Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu And that he married Hafsa radiyallahu anha in order to cement his political alliance with Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu If that was the case, then wouldn't have the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam responded? Wouldn't it have been even better for him to marry his daughter to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu when he asked for her hand in marriage? Or to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu No. But as great as Abu Bakr and Umar radiyallahu anhum were, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had different plans for his beloved daughter. He wanted to marry him, her to Ali radiyallahu But what was the position of Ali radiyallahu Was he a great leader at the time? Was he very wealthy? Was he rich? Was he powerful? What were the criteria for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam marrying his most beloved daughter? To someone. When Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhuma, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had now arrived in Medina. He no longer faced the direct persecution as he did in Mecca. He was now the de facto leader. He could have married his daughters, anyone whom he wished. And people would have been honored beyond belief to be married to the daughter of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In fact, Abu Bakr and Umar asked for her hand in marriage. There were many amongst the Muhajirun who were wealthy, who had now become wealthy. There were many amongst the Ansar who were wealthy, people of land, people of orchards, people of great wealth. Not all of them, but many of them. And of course, the Muhajirun were still poor in the majority, but some of them had succeeded in becoming wealthy even immediately after the hijrah. Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiyallahu anhu for instance. Or Uthman ibn well, uh, Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiyallahu anhu. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa could have married anyone, uh, his daughter to anyone. But what were his criteria? Do you know what he used to say to Abu Bakr and Umar radiyallahu anhu? He used to say, he used to politely decline and he actually told them that I wish to marry her to Ali because of his piety and because of his early Islam. That he became a Muslim very early because of his piety. These were the criteria of Rasulullah marrying his daughter. Ali rushing to embrace Islam and his piety. Was he wealthy? What did the Prophet ﷺ seek for his daughter? Allahu Akbar. Was he wealthy? Far from being wealthy, Imam Bukhari relates in his Sahih 
And I covered this in detail when I did the commentary of that hadith of Bukhari. He says that I had one... The Prophet married Ali married Fatima anha to Ali radiyallahu anha. The nikah was done, but there was a gap in the period between the actual marriage ceremony, the nikah, and the consummation of the marriage, known in Arabic as bina, and in Asian languages it's known as rukhsati. So there was a gap between the nikah and the bina, the nikah and the rukhsati. The uh, actual marriage ceremony and the consummation of the marriage and the moving in to the marital home. So during this period, Ali radiallahu an says of this period that I had a camel which I had received as part of the spoils of the Battle of Badr. And then I had another camel. So these two camels I would use to work, to collect and carry grass, dry grass, for people. So he would work by collecting grass and transporting and carrying grass on his camels. And in this manner, he says, I was earning and preparing for the consummation of my marriage to Fatima. Imagine, the son-in-law of Rasulullah wasallam was collecting and carrying and transporting grass for other people in order to earn enough money to have a marital home and to prepare for the consummation of his marriage to the daughter of Rasulullah And when the Prophet sent his daughter away to the marital home, he gave her certain items. What did he give her? He gave her cloak, more like a blanket, a khamila. He gave her some pots, utensils, some pitchers for water. He gave her a pillow stuffed with lemongrass, idkhir. And he gave her two hand, stone hand mills in order to grind the grain. These were the things that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam gave to his daughter when he sent her to the marital home. And it wasn't simply because these were days of want and poverty, but later when riches flowed into Medina, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam opened up the coffers for his family. He was a messenger of Allah. He was not a monarch. He was a man of the akhirah, not the man of the dunya. And he wanted for his children what he wanted for himself. Imam Bukhari relates a hadith, again in his sahih, that one day the Prophet came to visit his daughter. When he arrived at the house, as some of you may have seen in warmer climates and countries, in warmer countries, the doors aren't always locked. Sometimes there is no door. And you normally just have a mat or a piece of cloth covering the main entrance. So in a similar way, there was a blanket covering the main entrance into the house of Fatima radiyallahu anha. So the Prophet sallallahu came, stood at the entrance, and he saw the blanket. 
The blanket was colourful with patterns. And when he momentarily stood there, only momentarily, the beautiful colours and the patterns of this blanket distracted Rasulullah and reminded him of the dunya, of the world. So he stood there and exclaimed, Mali walid dunya, what connection do I have with the dunya? And he turned around and went back home. So Fatima radiallahu anha, when she realized that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had come all the way to my door, but at the last minute he had turned around and returned home and not entered my house, she was concerned. So when Ali radiallahu anhu came later, she told Ali radiallahu anhu what had happened. So she said, go and inquire. So Ali radiallahu anhu went to the house, of the, went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and said, Ya Rasulullah, you came home. And this is what happened, but you returned. He did, they still didn't know what had, what had actually happened. But he came and then went back. So the Prophet ﷺ then told him that I saw this blanket. And it reminded me, it distracted me and reminded me of the dunya. So Ali went and told Fatima what had happened. She was after all the daughter of her father. She never remained silent. She said to him, go and tell the messenger of Allah. This is how they saw him. The wives saw him not just as a husband, but as a messenger of Allah. The daughters, the children saw him not just as a beloved father, but as a messenger of Allah. So she said, go back and tell him that a messenger of Allah Fatima will do whatever you wish her to do. Instruct her and she will bid your command. So Ali radiallahu anhu went back, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi and told him, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said to Ali radiallahu anhu, tell her to take down this blanket and give it to such and such family who are in greater need. Ali radiallahu anhu went, he told her, Fatima radiallahu anha, remove the blanket and sent it to the family that the Prophet ﷺ had given instructions for. What he wanted for himself, he wanted the same for his children. In fact, there was another incident which was very similar. Prophet ﷺ came home, and this must have been afterwards, because there was a blanket there. But he came and he saw Hassan and Hussein, his two grandchildren, the sons of Fatima radiallahu anha, and both of them had a bangle on their wrists. Being children, they both had a bangle. So the Prophet saw these bangles and he went back home. So Fatima radiallahu anha, again when she learned that the Prophet had come and gone back, she thought it was a blanket again. She should remove the blanket. But upon inquiry, the Prophet ﷺ, again Ali radiallahu anhu went, the Prophet ﷺ said, it was a bangles. How is it that others live in poverty whilst the grandsons of Rasulullah ﷺ have these bangles? So the Prophet ﷺ said to uh, Fatima radiyallahu anha, he sent a word, sent a word to Fatima radiyallahu anha, take these bangles and give them to such and such people who are in greater need. 
And he then told whoever he was instructing that instead, go and buy a necklace for Fatima. Anha, which is very cheap, which only has trinkets of bone, animal bones. So go and get one of those for Fatima anha. And for the children, get bangles of get uh, he, he, he asked for a replacement bangle, which was much, much cheap, very simple. And he said, Go and give those to Hassan and Hussein. In fact, Imam Abu Dawood, this is what he wanted for himself and his family. Imam Abu Dawood, he relates a hadith. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, he relates a hadith in his Muslim. And that Prophet once went to visit Fatima anha, and she showed him a necklace given by Ali. This must have been in the later years. So, she said, Father, like any daughter would show her father, she said, Father, Abu al-Hassan, meaning the father of Hassan radiyallahu an, Ali radiyallahu an, she said, Father, look, Ali, the father of Hassan, gave me this necklace. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, O Fatima, does it please you that you have a chain of fire? Does it please you that you have a chain of fire? So Fatima radiyallahu anha took the necklace, given by Ali radiyallahu anha. She sold it. And with the money that she received, she bought a slave and she freed the slave. And after freeing the slave, the Prophet wasallam said to her, O oh Fatima, now you have saved and protected yourself from the fire. Allahu Akbar. What he wanted for himself, he wanted for his son, for his children. And especially for Fatima radiallahu anha. And what kind of married life did they lead? As I said, he didn't just give these very simple gifts to Fatima radiallahu anha at the time of her marriage, because this was the earlier stage in Medina when there was very little wealth. No, even later. And this is shown by the famous story that Fatima radiallahu anha said to Ali, well, actually Ali radiallahu anha once said to Fatima radiallahu anha that wealth has come into Medina when at the time of conquest and later things opened up Wealth poured into Medina. Ali radiallahu anha said to Fatima radiallahu anha, Wealth has come to Medina. So go to your father and tell him about your plight in the house. She worked until her hands were chapped. And Ali radiallahu anha said, Tell your father that I have worked and I continue to work so hard that my, I have chest pain. A young man, I have chest pains. And what was the job of Ali radiallahu anhu? What was the job of the son-in-law of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Do you know what his job was? He used to water palm trees for other people in their orchards. That was the job of the son-in-law of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He used to water palm trees and palm groves. And he, he was so laborious, such an arduous job, 
that he said to her, go and tell your father that we need help in the house. Look at the way you have worked and look how hard I have worked that I suffer chest pains. So Fatima radiallahu anha went to the Prophet sallallahu <coughs> She spoke to him. <coughs> Prophet sallallahu said to her, Oh my daughter, how would it be if I give you wealth and I deprive the people of the Sufa and the Muhajirun who live in poverty of wealth? Should I give to you and not give to them? Fatima radiallahu anha stood up and left. She returned home. Later the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa went to visit Fatima radiallahu anha. Fatima radiallahu anha and Ali radiallahu anha were lying down, covered in a blanket. And what kind of blanket? Subhanallah. The blanket was so small that if they covered their heads, the feet remained exposed. If they covered their feet, the heads remained exposed. So the Prophet ﷺ went and sat down next to them and said, you came to me earlier on to ask for a maid or a helping hand or some wealth. Should I not give you something better? They said, of course, O Messenger of Allah. Prophet ﷺ said, subhanAllah. They asked for wealth. They asked for a maid for, to assist Fatima radiallahu anha. They asked for a helping hand because of her chapped hands. They asked for some wealth and assistance because of the poor health and the chest pains of Ali radiallahu anha having overworked himself. And the Prophet sallallahu says to them, should I not give you something better? The father is saying to the daughter and son-in-law, should I not give you something better? What was he about to offer? He said to both of them, when you both retire at night, then say, subhanallah, 33 times. Alhamdulillah, 33 times. Allahu Akbar, 33 times. This is far better than anything else. That was his gift to them. Ali radiallahu anhu says, from that day onwards, never have I retired at night without having prayed this tasbih also. This is why it's famously known as the tasbih of Fatima radiallahu anha. That was how simply they lived. Because these, she was a daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And never for a moment did she utter an exclamation of any exasperation or frustration or sorrow and sadness or disappointment she accepted whatever the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam proposed to her she lived just like her father lived and this is why <coughs> rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam loved her dearly he truly loved her and her position with the messenger of allah was such that she was his daughter she was his beloved daughter but in in such a way that once ali radiyallahu anhu he, there were some, there was a proposal and there were some, there was some discussion about him marrying the daughter of Abu Jahl. He actually approached the family of Abu Jahl. I told you before that Abu Jahl, just like Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, strangely, the enemies of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, their family members came to love him. Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, 
the chief hypocrite and the leader of the Munafiqun in Medina. His children were sincere believers, his son and his daughters, and his wife also. Abu Sufyan at that time was the, was the enemy. His daughter Ramla, the daughter of Abu Sufyan, also known as Umm Habiba, she was one of the first Muslims who actually did hijrah to Abyssinia. And later she married the Messenger. Abu Jahl also, his children went on to embrace Islam. So one of the daughters of Abu Jahl, Ali ibn Abi Talib, wanted to marry Abu Jahl's daughter. So he approached the family and began discussions. Word reached Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ascended the mimbar. It's a famous hadith recorded by most authors. Ascended the mimbar and publicly announced that never will the daughter of the messenger of Allah and the daughter of the enemy of Allah come together in one home. Then he announced, Indeed, Fatima is only, she is but a piece of me. What disturbs me, disturbs her. What hurts me, hurts her. No, it's the other way around, sorry. Fatima is but a piece of me. What disturbs her, disturbs me. What hurts her, hurts me. When Ali radiallahu and heard this announcement, he shedded all plans of marrying anyone else. And till Fatima radiallahu anha lived, just like her mother, Khadija radiallahu anha, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never married another woman as long as Khadija radiallahu anha was alive. Ali radiallahu anha never married another woman as long as Fatima radiallahu anha was alive. That was her position with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. On one occasion, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam actually said to, he looked at Fatima radiallahu anha, and Ali radiallahu anhu, and Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhumah, and looking at them, he said to them, I am war against whoever battles with you, and I am peace with whoever makes peace with you. What strong words. I am war against those who battle against you, and I am peace for those who make peace with you. And... Imam Muslim rahmatullahi and others relate famous hadith that the Prophet took a blanket. This is known as Hadithul Kisa. And he called Fatima radiallahu anha, Ali radiallahu anha, Hassan and Hussein radiallahu anhuma, and he pulled the blanket over himself and these four. And then putting the blanket over all five, he said, Oh Allah. This is my family. Oh Allah, these are the people of my household. Oh Allah, purify them, a thorough purification. So, indeed, that was his, that was the position of Fatima radiallahu anha with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And she resembled the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in every way. I've just described how her heart and her mind, her thinking and her belief and her practice 
was very similar to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But even physically she resembled him. Anas radiyallahu anhu says that there were two people who resembled the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam in appearance more than anybody else. And they were Hassan radiyallahu anhu, the grandson, and Fatima radiyallahu anha. In fact, only one of the sons. So, this is why Hassan radiyallahu anhu, he was well known. When he, when he went to Kufa with his father, his father had to actually ascend the mimbar. Because Hassan radiyallahu anhu used to marry, and then he used to get divorced, he used to marry again, he used to get divorced, he used to get married, get married again, he used to get divorced. And people have said that the number of women he married, some have said 70, some have said over 100 women he married. And so much so that Ali radiyallahu anhu had to actually ascend the mimbar in Kufa and publicly announce and say, O people of Kufa, I say to you, do not marry your daughters to my son. <laughs> Hassan. Do not marry your daughters to my son. But you know what the people of Kufa said? In this we will not listen to Ali ibn Abi Talib. In this we will not listen to Ali ibn Abi Talib. We will marry our daughters to Hassan. Why? Of all the males, he most resembled Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in appearance. But, even more than his own brother, his mother being a female, actually resembled in appearance her father more than his grandson. So she looked very similar to Rasulullah alayhi salatu And not just in appearance. That's Anas radiyallahu anhu says in appearance, Hassan radiyallahu anhu and Fatima radiyallahu anha. But Aisha radiyallahu anha, Umm al-Mu'mineen says that I have never seen anyone more similar and more resembling of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam in speech, in character, in gait, in conduct than Fatima radiallahu anha. In fact, in one hadith, Aisha radiallahu anha says, we were all seated, the wives, when Fatima came in. She says, even her manner of walking was not different to the walk of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They observed her. So she resembled the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even in gait, in mannerisms, in speech. She was indeed like her father. And she held a great position. And that's why when the wives wanted someone to intercede on their behalf, they would approach Fatima radiallahu anha. And she would approach the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But even then, Prophet ﷺ said to her on one occasion, O oh Fatima, ask me for whatever you want now in this world. For I will not be able to avail you of anything with Allah. Imagine. He says, I can give you what you want in the dunya. When it comes to the akhirah, when it comes to Allah, I cannot guarantee you anything. That, that's the meaning of that particular hadith. Although it is uh, offset by other hadith which we know which came later. So, Prophet 
There's a lot that can be said, we're running short of time. Um Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha said that towards the end of the Prophet wasallam's life, when he was in his final illness, Fatima radiallahu anha came to see him. And before that there was one other occasion when Fatima radiallahu anha was seated with the Prophet wasallam. Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiyallahu anha was watching them. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam whispered something to Fatima radiyallahu anha and she began weeping uncontrollably. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam whispered something to her again. Then she stopped crying and began smiling. So later Aisha radiyallahu anha approached her and said, the Prophet ﷺ whispered something to you, then you wept. Then he whispered something to you again, and then you smiled. What was it? So she said, I cannot divulge the secret to the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. Later, when the Prophet ﷺ had passed away, Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha anha asked Fatima anha again, Oh Fatima, tell me. When he whispered to you and you wept, and then he whispered to you again and you smiled, what did he say? So she said, then I wouldn't divulge his secrets. But now that he has departed from this world, then yes. He whispered to me the first time. We were seated together. He whispered to me the first time. And he said to me that each year Jibreel comes to me to revise the Qur'an. And this year, he has come to me and revised the Qur'an twice with me. I do not think this, but to me, that my departure from the world is close. So Fatima radiallahu anha began weeping. Then, when she wept, she says, he then whispered to me, but Fatima, do not weep. I also give you the glad tidings. That of my, of all the people, i.e. close to him and his family, you will be the first to meet me. That's when she smiled. And in one narration, he even said to her, O oh, Fatima, doesn't it please you? Meaning along with telling her that she would be the first to meet him, he also said to her that does it not please you, O oh, Fatima, that you are Sayyidatun Nisa'i Ahl Jannah. The liege, la- the liege lady, the leading lady of the women of the people of paradise. So that's why she smiled. And Allahu Akbar, on another occasion, again something very similar. This time, the Prophet ﷺ was lying down. On the previous occasion, he was seated. They were seated next to each other. And do, do you know the manner in which father and daughter would meet and how close and similar to, they were to each other? Allahu Akbar. The way they would meet, Aisha radiallahu anha says, that when Fatima radiallahu anha would come to meet the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he would rise, he would go over to her, receive her, embrace her, kiss her, and then he would make her sit where he was seated. And when she went to visit him, she, when he went to visit her, she would do the same. She would rise, receive her father, kiss him, embrace him, and bid him to sit down where she was seated. 
But on this occasion, Aisha radiallahu anha says that the Prophet sallallahu was very ill. He was on his bed. Fatima radiallahu anha came. She fell on her father, kissed him, raised her head. Kissed him again, raised her head, began weeping. Kissed him again, raised her head, and began smiling. So she asked her about this also. So again she said, I kissed him, then I raised my head, then I fell down on his face and kissed him again, and I raised my head and I began weeping. It's because he said to me that my time has come for me to depart from the world. And then when she kissed him again and raised her head and she began smiling, it's because again he said to her, you are the first one to meet me. And he gave her glad tidings of her position in Jannah as being the liege lady and the leading lady of the women of Jannah. And different words have been described for her. And I will tell you about them in a moment. One of the lessons here is that subhanAllah, look at the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that of his daughter. <laughs> she, in his lifetime, he witnessed his father had already passed away before he came into this world. His mother passed away at the age of six. His grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, passed away at the age of eight. He then moved in, no brothers, no sisters, with his uncle Abu Talib, who looked after him. All the way till the age of 50, when Abu Talib passed away. His wife, Khadija, radiyallahu anha, passed away. One of his wives, Zainab, radiyallahu anha, Zainab bin Khuzayma, she passed away during his lifetime. So he lost Khadija radiallahu anha as well as Zainab radiallahu anha. His eldest daughter Zainab radiallahu anha passed away. He witnessed his daughter's death. His daughter Ruqiyah radiallahu anha passed away in his lifetime. His daughter Umm Kulthum radiallahu anha passed away. His, daughter, his sons Qasim and Abdullah passed away in their infancy. And even in late old age, Ibrahim radiallahu anhu, imagine the joy of the father when he is over 60 years of age and he has a son born to him. And he witnessed the death of his son Ibrahim radiallahu And what honesty, Allahu Akbar. When his son passed away, Ibrahim radiallahu anhu, on that same day there was a solar eclipse. People in the whole of Medina, Join the two events. And they said, there is a solar eclipse because the sun and the moon and the heavens are in mourning over the death of the son of the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Had he been an imposter, in his grief, in his sorrow, in his state of being overwhelmed with emotion, the Prophet ﷺ could have remained silent. He could have just remained silent. And it would have worked wonders for him had he been an imposter. Rasulullah ﷺ, as soon as he heard people say that the heavens are in mourning 
and the sun and the moon are marking the death of the Messenger's son, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with an eclipse, he made an announcement, gather the people, and despite his mourning, despite having lost his son just a short while ago, he ascended the mimbar and announced to the people, إِنَّ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمْرَ لِمَوْتِ that, O oh, people, know that the sun and the moon are not eclipsed by the birth or the death of anyone. What would have given him prestige? What would have given him credit? What would have bolstered his position? What would have boosted his position? Even in his mourning and sorrow, the Prophet ﷺ challenged it openly and rid people of this misconception, of this confusion, and of this superstition. And said, the sun and the moon are not eclipsed by the birth or death of anyone. Allahu Akbar. So he witnessed the death of Ibrahim radiallahu In his lifetime, he saw two of his wives pass away, his mother pass away, all the people who looked after him and who cared for him pass away. He witnessed the death and the torture of many of his followers and his own family members. He lost all his sons and all his daughters with the exception of Fatima radiyallahu anha. And even her, he is telling her on the way out of this world, that do not worry, O oh my daughter, soon you will be the first to join me. And that's exactly what happened. Fatima radiyallahu anha did not live after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam except for six months. And do you know what was her age at the time? 25 years. Fatima radiyallahu anha. She passed away at the age of approximately 25. The most that had been suggested is that she passed away at the age of 29. But the ulama say that that's incorrect. It was a younger age. Because remember, she got married in... And her marriage was consummated in the second year of Hijrah. And then she lived with Ali radiallahu anhu till the end of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's life. That was eight years. So around approximately 25 years of age, that's when she passed away. So, such a young age. Imagine her life and the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. As I said, the Prophet ﷺ gave her glad tidings that you will be the first to join me. He also informed her that she will be the liege lady, Sayyidatul Nisa'i Ahlil Jannah, the leading lady and the lead, the liege lady of the women of Jannah. And not just of Jannah, in one hadith, Prophet ﷺ says, Hasbuk, that out of all the women of the world, Four women are sufficient for you. And the four are Maryam alayhi salam, the mother of Isa alayhi salam, Khadija, Fatima, and Asiya, the wife of Fir'aun. Asiya bint Muzahim, the wife of Fir'aun. And indeed, she is a leader of the liege lady of the women of Jannah, the liege lady of the women of the believers. And I'll end with one very beautiful hadith. About this, narrated by Imam Tirmidhi and others. Hudayfat ibn al Yaman says that one day my mother said to me, that, Oh Hudayfa, when was the last time you saw the Prophet? So he said, Mother, it's been some time since I last saw him and met him. So she scolded him and said, How can you let such a long time pass?
between you seeing the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Go and visit him. So Hudayfa radiyallahu anhu said, I will go to the masjid. It is time for Maghrib Salah. I will go to the masjid and meet the Messenger of Allah. So the Prophet Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiyallahu anhu says that I went to the masjid. And, but I couldn't see, I prayed Maghrib Salah with the Messenger of Allah, but after Maghrib I couldn't see him. And he remained engaged in ibadah until after Isha. Then after Isha Salah, I managed to catch some time with him and I followed him. So as I was following him, he turned around and he said, Who is it? So I said, Hudayfa. He said, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. I said, Yes. So the Prophet, so the Prophet, oh sorry. When his mother sent him, she said, Going back to the beginning of the hadith, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiyallahu anhu says that, my mother asked me, when was the last time you saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? So he said, it's been some time. So she scolded him, that how can you let so much time pass? Go and visit him. So Hudayfa radiyallahu anhu said, yes mother, I will go and visit the Messenger of Allah, and I will ask him for forgiveness, and I will ask him to pray for me, and to pray for you for forgiveness. So then he says, I went to the masjid, I prayed Maghrib Salah, but I couldn't meet him after Maghrib. I waited till Isha. After Isha, I managed to catch an opportunity with him. So as I followed him, the Prophet wasallam said, Who is it? I said, Hudayfa. So he said, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. I said, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, O Messenger of Allah. Prophet wasallam said to him, May Allah forgive you and your mother. May Allah forgive you and your mother. And then he said, O Hudayfa. Did you see, did you just see what happened? He said, no, messenger of Allah. He said, something came and went. Did you not see? He said, no. He said, that was Jibreel who came to me. And he informed me that Fatima is Sayyidat al-Nisai, Ahl al-Jannah. Fatima is the liege lady of the women of the people of paradise. And that Hassan and Hussein are the leaders of the youth of Jannah. I end with this. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable all of us to appreciate appreciate the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the life of his family. Just as he is a role model for the believers, his family are all role models and an example for the believing men, women and children. And I pray that Allah enable us to learn of the life of Fatima radiyallahu anha, to adopt her example and to follow in her footsteps. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala abdihi wa rasulih, nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdik, nashadu an la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfirukum wa natubu ilayk. This lecture was delivered by Sheikh Abu Yusuf Riyadhul Haq and has been brought to you by Al-Kotha Productions. For additional lectures and products, please visit www.akstore.com. We can also be contacted by phone on 0044-121-771-3777 or by email via sales at akstore.com. Produced under license by Alcotha Productions, all rights reserved for Alcotha Productions and the author. Any unauthorized distribution, broadcasting or public performance of this recording will constitute a violation of copyright.